0: Randomly stuff randomy stuff randomy stuff, randomly stuff, randomly stuff, randomly stuff.
1: Welcome back to the Randonista podcast, folks. Welcome back, folks, to the Randonista podcast. I am your host, Laura, and this is the podcast that strives to bring humanity and human stories back to the conversations around bicycles. I have some great guests today. Uh, starting off for bike news, my co-host, is a good friend of mine who I have been trying to get on the podcast since day one. So I'm very excited to have Lee Andrew, who came and spoke to me uh, in honor of Black History Month about Black past and Black futures, discussing local legends Kitty Knox and Major Taylor, as well as a modern look of who you should be paying attention to, because there are a lot of really amazing BIPOC cyclists out there, including Aisha McGowan. And please check out the show notes, because I tagged lots of the organizations that we ended up bringing up that can really um, help you keep an eye on some uh, amazing talent in the cycling world. As for friends on bikes eating dessert, I do not specifically have this segment today. It's a lot of fluctuating weather and a lot of fluctuation in my own life as a solo producer. So I took a break from that, but it will be back in the next month. I'm looking forward to enjoying some more dessert with friends. Uh, For the deeper look, though, I do have a really wonderful conversation with one of my fellow co-founders of the Coalition for Black Lives, which you may remember used to be the Ride for Black Lives, Saskia. She came and talked to me about how she really wants to build a more cooperative community, and she'll break down some of the lobbying work that she does within the cannabis industry and the war on drugs. Um, Some of the uh, amazing work that she's been able to do for reparations and everything. And she also lists out some action items that you can take today or in the future to help out with everything that she's doing. So, again, you can see it in the show notes and we'll discuss it on the show uh, but make sure to check in and look into those action items. You do have a call to action for today's episode. Uh, and then finally, we'll round out this episode, which is a fun game that Leandrew came back and played with me. Um, and you'll still have your Watson moment. So don't you worry about that. And now we'll go on to bike news.
2: Bike news.
1: It's happening.
0: It's finally happening. This is uh, This is exciting. <laughs>
1: So that voice that you're hearing chat right now is today's co-host. I have been uh, courting this person to be on my podcast for a while. We had talked about doing this from the beginning. So I'm very excited to say that I have Leandrew on the pod with me today. Hi, Leandrew.
0: Hey, hey, thanks for having me. This is probably Uh, like the longest time that I've been courted. So like (laughs) it it feels really, really good to be wanted. Thank Mm. you for having me.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> no, but thank you for being here today uh, in the news of today. So I was thinking about, slash, you know, looking into what the latest in infrastructure is. And we gave a very detailed update in the podcast two weeks ago. I always want to say last week, but it's a, it's a bi weekly podcast. Um, in the last episode, we gave a very thorough update of all of the projects that are happening. So the only update I really have is to say that they're continuing the project um, in Cambridge, moving down Mass Ave North towards Porter, continuing to bring in those protected lanes. That project is not actually underway yet. It is currently up for a vote with the city council or um, someone's pushing to have some sort of vote to delay the timeline or take out the protected lanes altogether. So there's been a lot of contention of, uh, local Cambridge people who, uh, might fit the description of not in my backyard, um, uh, who do not want to see change and are worried about what this means for their city and everybody else who knows that infrastructure helps and infrastructure is good for all parties. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of back and forth. So there's, there's a push to try to delay the timelines.
0: As long as there's a safer way for me to get to Wumiwo Katari, um, <laughs> I'm the happiest man in the world. You know, it, it's it's tough out there in Cambridge, you know, but, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting why there would be so much pushback. I know that there was uh, some commentary regarding some of the parking spots uh, mm-hmm. alongside Mass Ave uh, being eliminated. But, you know, it's for the better good.
1: There's been two recent articles, one in the Boston Globe and one on bicycling.com. Uh, beautifully written pieces, um, but the crux of both of them is the fact that cycling, uh, not even cycling, pedestrian deaths, vehicle deaths have gone up You know more than anyone expected during the pandemic. And you can't really get rid of human error. Things are going to happen. People are going to sadly look at their phones, all of these things. The safest way to reduce these, these crashes and these deaths is actually just to build infrastructure that forces people to slow down and physically separates cyclists and car drivers and pedestrians and all of those things, which is kind of sad, but it is, you know, a push to get the infrastructure. (laughs)
0: Sure, You know, the, the tagline should easily be, uh, save a life, ride a bike.
1: Right. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, my other update that I'll give before we dive into, uh, our articles that we want to discuss today is just that I finally had that hot chocolate ride. Um, it was postponed twice. I even promoted it on this podcast only to be like, sorry, everyone, we actually didn't have it, but now we're really having it. So it actually happened. It was a 60 degree day on February on a 12th.
0: Beautiful
1: day. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Global Warming, for such a beautiful February day. And <laughs> um, we made a point of going on Mass Ave. So I, we took the Mass Ave Bridge, which was something that I wanted to do and was always going to be part of the plan. What I didn't expect was that I was going to have over 60 cyclists behind me. So as we were crossing the bridge, um, there were more bikes on the bridge than there were cars, which is always an amazing feeling.
0: A beautiful thing. Uh,
1: and then we turned around and we went back over it again. So I just wanted to, you know, we talk about these cones getting thrown off the bridge. You mentioned it pre-recording. Um, they make a difference. It was wonderful to be able to ride back and forth and to be able to safely take other cyclists with me. So that was, that was really beautiful. And it was such a nice day. <laughs>
0: Truly. I I feel that like everyone, everyone deserves to make it to their destination mm-hmm. safely and soundly. Maybe you running, may you be biking, driving, like these safeguards are here for a reason. Some mm-hmm. guy was just having a really, really tough day at the office and decided to throw cones into the Charles. <laughs> so you know.
1: That- that's Therapy a nicer helps, <laughs> that's a nicer version than what I think it is. but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it comes back to, you know, the fact that I very intentionally wanted this podcast to be a chance for us to see the human side of cyclists again. So just remember that 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 person that you're suddenly road raging at for not very good reasons is human, and they should be treated that way. So, that's all of the infrastructure updates out of the way. Super local Boston. Uh, Step aside from that for a moment and go to other Boston history, which is um, that we want to celebrate some. um, Oh, geez. I'm not sure how to segue into this. I apologize stumbling over my words here, but I want to take a moment during black history month to celebrate not only historical figures within the Boston, um, the black Boston cycling community and, uh, black cycling history. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Got um, but I also want to celebrate, uh, newer additions to that and, look forward to how we can continue to bridge the barriers within not only our own community, but cycling communities writ large. Um, and so that's leading me all into today's discussion, which is first uh, a look back at the cyclist Kitty Knox and major Taylor, because they're amazing. And then we'll focus on some, uh, current heroes that we can talk about i don't know heroes so might be an overblown word but she's pretty going, great yeah <laughs> aisha mcgowan is you know very impressive a1, of her. a1 for sure uh, i've um, been following we, her for a while go ahead go ahead
0: <laughs> so we we go from black history to uh the coin phrase black black futures so oh i like um, that we're looking at the the next uh, trailblazer, if you will, Aisha mm-hmm. McGowan.
1: Trailblaze her. Uh. <laughs> Liz and I talked about that when she was on the pod. She was like, thank you for pronouncing it normally. Like, you got it. I get it. <laughs> anyway, so let's dive right in. Um, you took some notes, you told me. Do you want to sure. give some history? Who are we talking about right now? I, you I feel me- like...
0: Do you want to do uh kitty and I do uh major? I do major.
1: Sure. I Let's love it. it. Let's dive right in. First up, we're gonna talk about Catherine T. Knox, known as Kitty Knox. Um, I honestly didn't realize that her first name is Catherine, so I already learned something today, which is amazing. And she was this great pioneer for freedom and equality within the cycling uh world at large she was born in boston in 1874 so you kind of a time range of what we're talking about she died in 1900 so um she was quite young when she died uh and she oh no that was her working as a seamstress i was like that seems she didn't die that young did she uh, so that would have been like 26 I, I have in my record the uh, 1874
0: and 1900
1: yeah would that be yeah. 26 years? Yeah. Oh, damn. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to leave this part in because that just threw me for a loop for a second there. Um, she died quite young. That's so sad. But in that time frame, she was uh, doing a lot. She, you know, worked as a seamstress, but she actually had this really deep passion for cycling and the first thing I'll say she did a couple of really cool things but the first one was really bucking this trend of cycling being only for men. Riding a bicycle uh, at the time women had to wear their long skirts and and look a certain way if they were even allowed on a bicycle and she challenged all of that by putting on the baggy trousers instead of the long skirts so that she could ride a lot easier. Um I don't remember if it was Kitty Knox I'll have to Fact checked myself, but I know there was a women advocates riding their bikes at the time who would say things like, "Well, you know, if a man tries to give you a hard time about riding a bicycle, just ride away from them." <laughs> 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 that was the beauty of the bicycle. Simple enough. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, she also joined. The League of American Wheelmen, which, um, is now known as the League of American Bicyclists, uh, which is, you know, the, the organization that runs the national, um, bike summit and is the, uh, organization that I have my own certification in cycling from, um, at the time it was normally seen as men only she joined it. And then during that time that she joined in in 1894, they banned Black people from joining the organization. And Knox was like, uh-uh, no, thank you. I'm going to challenge this. And she showed up for uh, one of Law's the League of American Wheelmen, one of their annual meetings in 1895 with a certificate confirming that she had joined the group prior to them saying that it could be a white only membership. Um, And so she was able to rally people to her defense. She had other law members come and help her. Um, And many others, of course, had strong objections to her attendance and kicked her out of the meeting. But this ended up sparking a huge debate um, from law members who wanted to uphold racial segregation. So. She was kicked out because she was black and a woman, which was very upsetting, but she, you know, pushed them yes. to have this conversation that they weren't having. And so people felt that the racial segregation was wrong. And eventually they let her in, making her the first black person to be recognized as a member of the organization. Amen. So she kind of paved the way for this desegregation within the cycling world, which is amazing. Um She, you know, sadly died quite young, but she's celebrated as a champion of racial and gender equality. And she has a grave at the Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, which is actually
0: visited. It's phenomenal.
1: (laughs) It's a beautiful cemetery too. Um, I would recommend going and visiting it. Uh, and there is also the Kitty Knox bike path in Cambridge that you can go to and, Word on the street is there might be a Kitty Knox ride happening in Boston um, sometime this year. So I don't have a lot of details Anything. there. I've just I've just heard things. So I will keep people updated as we go along. Uh, but that yeah
0: around her death date mm,
1: perhaps yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: totally but looking very bright.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that is the history of Kitty Knox, um, short. In that short time, she managed to cause a lot of change, which is very inspirational. Uh, but I will pass it to you, Lee. Tell us about Major Taylor.
0: All right. So Major Taylor, the fastest man, uh, mm-hmm. single-handedly was the, the first Black uh, world champion cyclist. Mm-hmm. Um He was the original BBB, uh, Big Body Benz. Uh, When I got into the cycling world, when I started to do a little bit of digging uh, in history and heritage, I came upon the story of Major Taylor, and I was really, really inspired. So just just a couple of pieces. So Major Taylor, born 1878. Uh, 1932 he was the first black world champion in cycling and the second black athlete to win a world championship in any sport so imagine major as the lebron the michael jordan the jackie robinson of cycling of that time uh, and this is all before social media uh what overcame- year was it <laughs> 1878, so yeah, like a little, a little before social, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, he overcame racial barriers and an overwhelming uh white fields bent on stopping him. Um, if I remember correctly, he would have cyclists actually purposely crash into him Ugh. during races. Um, Taylor began to race bicycles, uh, but was uh. Encountered discrimination in every turn. Um, racetrack owners wouldn't uh, let him complete uh, compete. Uh, professional cycling leads, such as the League of American Wheelmen, also known as Law, adopted the racial membership policy. So he dealt with the same policies that Kitty dealt with, preventing him to join the organization while continuing to profit from his participation in the races. Sounds like the NFL. I'm so sorry, but it, mm-hmm. uh, maybe. Uh, convinced that Taylor would be a star, bike manufacturer and former racer, Lewis birdie Munger uh gave Taylor a job as a bike mechanic and sponsored him in races in eighteen ninety six, Taylor was officially turned pro and moved to Worcester, Massachusetts, the capital of u s. cycling at the time. <laughs> um he he uh he set seven bicycle sprinting uh world record times and earned the title of world champion sprinter at the 1899 world cycling championship in Montreal, Canada. Simply a a pioneer, simply just an outstanding human being. Um I'm a big fan of this quote um and Nowadays, uh, more than ever, as I, as I get older and I try to be more mindful, um, I, I relay this often. It's, uh, life is too short for a man to hold bitterness in his heart. It's a great one, indeed. And that is the uh, story, uh, the abbreviated story of uh, Major.
1: Yeah, there is a major Taylor bike ride that happens in Worcester every year. Um, And there's also um, cycling organizations like um, membership groups throughout the country. I I don't actually think there is one in Massachusetts, which is surprising. But I know uh, I was talking to a gentleman who rides with the group out in Colorado. So that reach really like... We say local legends because we live here, but these are big names.
0: I would say so. I, I think we might need to tap a uh, brothers on bikes to see. I know, if we can, right? Uh, do a little <laughs> uh, ride through. Not a bad idea.
1: It's not a bad idea at all. We should definitely do that. Um, so that is two people who really set the stage uh, for cycling back in the late. 1800s. However, you know, the road, as we all know, um, has not been easy. The, the reality is that cycling is still predominantly white. Um, I was, uh, I might be eating into some of my fun facts for the game for a moment, but in 2020, the tour de France had five out of 743 riders who were black, That's a um, which is just heartbreaking to hear. Uh, especially since as I was reading through the article, there's a thriving community within a lot of African countries where they're, they're building these amazing, um, cycling programs and they have their own race series there. So it's not for a lack of talent as we all know. Um, it's just, there's, you know, Truly. Accessibility. I was gonna say there's gatekeepers. So yeah, same For same sure. thread. <laughs> um, which is just a shame. So uh when we think about where we started and where we are today, we still have a great distance to go. Um, but that leads me to our how did you phrase it? Our black future. Black yes, futures, indeed. black uh,
0: futures, indeed.
1: Excellent. Uh, which is Aisha McGowan, which you know you are familiar with as well. I've been following her career for a while. Um, she became the first, uh, make sure I have all of my adjectives in order. The first black woman in pro cycling. So that is phrased. Uh, I don't like the way that's phrased. She's the first female Black female pro cyclist. That's how I want that to come out. <laughs> Sorry, it's gonna be a little bit also, editing on I like this it. episode.
0: Also, a recipient of the Kitty Knox Award for her competitive, uh, competitive uh, nature, accomplishments, and her voice pushing for more inclusion in the, the cycling world.
1: Yes and that is part of the reason that she's you know making today's list is the fact that she's not just trying to get into the sport which as we know is already difficult but that she's continuing to try to pave the way for that next generation you know she may be the first but she doesn't want to be the last and so she's really you know if you follow her on Instagram if you pay attention to her career she's constantly not only pushing for racial equity but also gender advocacy, because uh, as many people may or may not be aware of, there is a huge disparity between women's cycling and men's cycling. The most apparent one would be the fact that there's a Tour de France for men, but we've struggled over and over again to have one for women, and even when we do, it's always an abbreviated version, uh, which doesn't make as much sense as they seem to think it does. Um, but all that being said, you know, she's out there to, you know, I think what I, what I'm trying to say is she's not just trying to be the best that she can be, but pave the way for others, which is what makes her so inspirational um, and why she won the Kitty Knox award. And she also takes, you know, her platform and her voice and, she helps elevate others. So what I will have in the show notes for everybody is a list of where did 15 influential black cyclists that you should be following on Instagram today. Um so it's not just that you should be following on them on Instagram, you should be following their careers. Um, and then there's a few more that I would even add to that that I have talk to over time locally uh, you should be following Remy and what he's doing and his uh YouTube page Remy be real which uh he was on the last episode of our mother. Mm-hmm. he was on uh the last episode talking about Swift but he's also uh um, you know training to be you know a, a pro cyclist he's a he's a he races and he's a pro cyclist or pro he's an amateur cyclist I believe is the technical way to phrase that meaning that he doesn't make money off of it, but he does race or do I have that wrong?
0: Um, I believe he's an amateur with a pro pursuits.
1: Yes. I think Um, that's a good way to phrase that. Um, and then, uh, also on Instagram, you have the black endurance athlete. He's starting or started his own, um, cycling and running podcast. I've been listening to that. That's a good one. And then there's the black cyclist network, which is also supporting, um, black cyclists throughout the country <laughs> did uh, you have something you want to add to that
0: <laughs> you you beat me to the punch totally oh. <laughs> beat me to the punch oh. um there is also and there'll be lots
1: of links in show notes please go and check all of these out
0: there they have is a really cool kit too <laughs> the uh there's an outfit in atlanta but i'm trying to remember their name right now um, it's going to come to me. Um, I believe it is. I believe it is. Um, oh, yes. It's a mob ATL. Mob ATL. It's it's just a wide range of cyclists, a lot of fixies. Um, the la- it was last summer. Was that last summer or two summers ago? COVID. Oh my God. I just had to like think. It was like two summers ago. Mm -hmm. I was able to like pop into a group run, uh, a ride. They're doing uh, rides every Saturday and It's basically just a really, really great collective of folks. They're doing like 30, 40 miles and they encourage all skill levels to come in. So shout out to Mob ATL as well.
1: And and one last one, uh, because as you were saying that you sparked another one in me, which is the Legion of Los Angeles. They're also, um, putting, you know, there it's a, it's either a hundred percent black or a hundred percent BIPOC, uh, team and they, they sponsor races and things like that. So that's another good one to pay attention to. And their logo is really cool as well. I like a good logo. (laughs) I think I've seen their kits before. Right. It's like the L backwards E nine.
0: Yes, please. Mm. Yep. Um, I'm going to need that.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that, I think that does it. I think that rounds out the news so anything else, did we miss anything? We can always add more into our show notes. We come up with more people. People should be paying attention to. Yeah.
0: Always check out the show notes. There's always a uh, hidden tidbits.
1: So <laughs> perfect. Well, Lee, thank you so much for finally being on the podcast with me.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And this will not be your last appearance. I can, I can tell probably you not. probably also, not. Also you will be back in a, a couple of segments. Um, so you'll see, <laughs> you'll hear his voice again in a second. <laughs> Today's guest I met a couple of years ago as we were starting to organize the ride for black lives. And I'm so happy that I did. Cause, uh, she's very joyful. She's got amazing wisdom. Um, and so I'm very excited to have Saskia on the podcast today. Hi, Saskia. Hi, how are you doing? I'm uh, good. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Why should, uh, why should people care?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, hello, everybody. My name is Saskia um, and I am a lot. Um, I <laughs> work a lot too much. Um, some of the work that I, and I'm, uh, who I am is a, com- a community person. Um, I'll say that. That's like, a, I'm a person of community. Um, I love being in community. Um, I love celebrating friends. I love celebrating life. Um, and I find it very difficult in the way our society is right now to celebrate. Um, and it's very depressing, honestly. Um, That's how I got into bicycling um, to deal with anxiety and depression. I found bicycling to to be extremely therapeutic, along with smoking a blunt. Nothing's wrong with weed, you know, Mm -hmm. so riding and smoking um, really, really helped a lot with my depression and anxiety and my health, um, physical and mental health. Um, But I ended up working, you know, for um, Boston's first, you know, Black-owned Pops and pop shop at Noah's bike shop, actually, Spoke House. And before it was Spokehouse, uh, Bowden Bike School. Bowdoin, right? um, yep. Yeah, I worked, worked there um, and with the transition and everything. And then ended up working at Broadway as a bike mechanic. So I was just starting out like, oh, I have these skills, you know, doing marketing and project management. Let me loan my skills out to my local community. And then um, I really got, um, I fell in love with vice, bike bike mechanics and I was like let me go get um, a job and I started working at Broadway Bicycle and it's a co-op and I really loved the experience there with my team members. Um, I love a cooperative atmosphere, I love the consensus process, I love the team spirit um, that we have at, at Broadway, A um, whole process of caring and checking in for one another. Um, even being such a transitional commu- um, community of workers, there really is a strong culture there. Um, it's it's quite remarkable that it's able to withhold um, a culture when you have seasonal workers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something very difficult out of um, um, businesses like that. So it's it's really, really remarkable. Um, and I ended up um, or, co-organizing with you and a few others, um, Ride for Black Lives Boston, um, we also have uh Femmechanics. I worked with mechanics mm-hmm. at Broadway as well too. I uh, worked with the city of Cambridge doing like uh, uh, bike mechanic nights um, in this for the city of Cambridge. Um, and I also work doing lobbying. Um, so um, lobbying at Massachusetts uh Massachusetts Recreational Consumer Council. Um, We're a political organization, Black and and Brown Women Queer led um, and we've been um, pushing in advocacy of racial um, healing and transformative justice on behalf of our communities that's been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. Um, So a whole lot of like (laughs) cannabis space and also like recently like um, a racial justice campaign where we made um, local history, got the first reparations fund using cannabis tax revenue and racial equity fund using cannabis tax revenue um, to pass in the state of Massachusetts. So really excited about that. Um, And I think that. That's a yeah. You know, more, I do artwork. I play with textiles. I oh, try. we well, we'll get stuff. into yeah. yeah I, we're I,
1: gonna get I into that. all of that.
2: <laughs> Don't <laughs> mind me. I'll,
1: I'll let you keep talking. Just so you know. <laughs> uh, excellent. Yes, I definitely. So, um, you know, I wanted to have you on because I knew you had this really great history of working within the bike industry, I always want to show people that, you know, mechanics aren't just white men. Mechanics aren't just, you know, people uh, who, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase that. People who don't just have like a ton of privilege and can just, you know, take the time and do this. Like it can one, sustain you, and two, you know, can be a very diverse group of people working, which it should be because that's how we create better spaces. Uh, so there was that side of that, but I also knew that just in general, there's, um, a lot of overlap between the cycling community and cannabis users. So I figured that would actually be a really good conversation to have, but before we dive into that side of everything, let's, let's talk about bikes for a second. So this is technically a biking podcast. Uh, tell me more about growing up riding bikes. Did you ride a lot as a kid? How did that kind of transition into, you know, your life now?
2: Yeah, um, I rode my bike a lot as a kid. I was, I I grew up in the age where you rode your bike, you played outside and you rode your bike and you didn't come in until the lights went on. Okay, folks, I'm dating myself. (laughs) Um, That's that's the era that I grew up in. And I grew, I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in the South Shore area of Massachusetts. So we were outdoor kids. You know, we played hard. Um, I was a tomboy. I played hard. Um, played in the woods, you know, played, you know, climbing trees, riding bikes, um, you know, just, just out there playing. And so as an adult um, starting to deal with the depression and anxiety, um, I think Western society just looks at, views therapy strictly as sitting down and talking as a form of processing. Um, but what I found myself needing to do were things that offered me comfort. Um, that felt familiar um and so for me that was thinking about things that brought me joy as a child and one of those things was bicycling um so I started bicycling again um yeah so that as an adult I was just like you know I didn't I haven't done it consistently all throughout you know my whole period of life there's times years that I haven't gone without a bike um but yeah since lately I've been bicycling a whole lot more and I think living in like the greater Boston area um we're in a special place where you it's it was a city founded to walk in, first of all. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's like super close and everything. It's like, oh no, actually it's only two miles. Like oh, well, my time a time tiny city. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> town's only six miles wide, like technically. Yeah. you know. So it's just like, what are we doing here, folks? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, if you are able-bodied and able to ride a bike, and even people with I know people with disabilities that still ride a bike. Um then take advantage of it um, because it's great for the earth and it's great for your health. And um, yeah, like I could go on about the benefits of cycling and why everybody should, but I, I won't go into that. <laughs> like, I
1: don't, I think that's in the do you, do you, um, do you prefer solo riding, riding in a group? What's your, what's your jam when it comes to biking?
2: Um, both either, or I love riding with people. Um, I love, um, I, like, not just going on a ride, but, like, going on trips, I would say, with friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love joy rides, you know, um, with a destination. Nothing like taking a, a ride and then stopping um, at the beach, mm-hmm. you know, for a destination um, ride. I love that. Um, and I also love just riding by myself. There's nothing like a good um, cry and ride. Um, like... <laughs> You could be really Being frustrated. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah, just on your right, you like, fuck it. <laughs> <You're not kidding. laughs> you know, and you just let it all out. And um, bicycling offers that space as well, too. So I think it's beautiful. You know, there's many ways to, to use bicycling. I And there's so many subcultures in bicycling mm-hmm. as well, too, right? Like you've got your wheelies, you've got your cyclocross. I love my cycle cross. Um, um, cyclists, like I love, love, love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, so many more. So I think that when you hop on your bike, you should try to be open minded in the different ways that this bike can actually be used and communion with community as well as communion with oneself. You know?
1: Yeah. And speaking of building community, we started to talk about this off bike and I was like, hold on, hold on, I want to have this discussion on mic. Uh, we were talking about this idea. So you know, you've worked a little bit within biking, but you've also started building all of these communities and something that, you know, I was telling you with starting this podcast, I want people to see people just like them. You know, we're not, we're not special. We just had this passion and this, this drive to do things. And we want to inspire others to kind of, also be community organizers. I think there's enough space for everybody to be part of this. Um, And we also need to, uh, I think you were talking about, um, you know, have replacements even so that people can retire at some point. So let's talk a little bit about building those communities, um, you know, again, thinking about the stress of actually organizing versus just showing up. You, talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I think it's, um, we're at a really special place in society right now where you know inflation is like through the roof right um despite like everybody taking like these perfect pictures all the time right like we, we're like instagram
1: is a f- lie we all know right? it we you do know, it i do right? it
2: it's fine you know? <laughs> but, it's like, and, and, but in real life we're like what the f-? like look at these <laughs> and, you know we're looking at things and so we're like you know not trying to freak out but at the same time trying to keep community together Um, and so that becomes challenging if your friends are always coming together and it has to be at a rest, like now the restaurant bill is double, um, Mm -hmm. as well as all of your other personal bills. So, um, do, does community start being class based? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's, um, the important conversation that we're overdue to have as a society, um, because it's an assumed Yes. Right. And so um, those that can't afford will and those that can't. Oh, well. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there now we're seeing a bigger a more sliding of middle class into a, to lower class, poor, you know, poor. And now that conversation is extending um, on who, you know, and and what this community look like and our values are changing and shifting. Um, because the money is changing and shifting. So we as a culture are going to change and shift. And that feels very different. You know, it's like, oh, you know, now it's like, you know, it doesn't feel like people necessarily want to be. um, I think probably Instagram has had a huge impact on this too. Like everything has to look so perfect. Mm -hmm. And in real life, people really don't want that. They don't want, you know, like that sort of like perfection. You know, you have those type of people, but... Overall, I find people like being much more um, interested in genuine connections and mm-hmm. community building and conversation. Um, and a lot of that was happening right before COVID hit, where people were uh, coming to gatherings and no cell phones were being used mm-hmm. throughout the whole time, right? Like there was there were um, gatherings occurring like that. Um, and I was like, yes, like we're, we're getting, we're doing some real community building out here. I love it, folks. I'm loving it. Um, And I can see like, we're starting to pick that back up now, you know, COVID has disrupted us a bit, but we're figuring it out um, and figuring out our way of community. I think these things are like really, really important because um, there's too many of us that are silenced because of lack of capital. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just live in that cutthroat of a society where it's straight up like, oh, you're disabled, go sit in the corner. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're black, have a seat oh, you're a woman? Shut the fuck up. Like there's there's something for everybody. You know what I'm saying? They've got something for everybody in this country. So, um, I think it's just really, really important for us to, to be having these spaces and it's starting to happen and I'm happy for it, but it's important that it's real community and not hierarchical. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's another thing people are sick of is just like the hierarchy with every damn thing. And it's just like, you know, in Massachusetts, if you're a southerner, you're like this place, these people really walk around with a stick up their ass like just really city up here in Massachusetts. And I just be like, can we just take it down a notch folks? Like, can we just, just like, you can keep your chin up but can you just, can the nose come down? Like, must you be so like way up here? Like, like do, is it necessary? Um, and so um, I'm glad to see like more community talking and building going on because the hierarchy is really destroying community. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, do you want to, do you want to be part of a village or are you in some imaginary uh, monarch? Mm-hmm. Like, are, yeah. you, are you trying to be a master or are you trying to be a village person? What are you trying to do out here? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think this is like, even with the, all the gadgets and things that we have, the system never changed. So, the terms still work, you know? So, it's like very black and white. Like, yeah. you just simply look at people's actions mm-hmm. and assess oh, you have a master mentality or village mentality? Mm-hmm. Which one, which one, you know, you don't even have to ask people um, anymore because it, once you have that clarity, then you're able to just make assessments. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's community building, right? Because if you're a village person, And you're talking to a bunch of like people with master mentalities. That's not. Mm -hmm. That's not building. That isn't going to work. That isn't a bike ride with community. Like that's not. I'm leading the path, and like no, no, no. It's like. That's a race. That's a race. That take that energy on that on that that field. Sometimes
1: when I am leading a ride, just because I'm you know navigating, I'm like, you can come. Ride next to me I don't have to be alone up here like I get really sad and lonely sometimes they they'll like I can hear two people talking behind me I'm like I want to be part of that yeah. <laughs> I totally get that um and you've been a part of lots of communities that you're telling me you wanted to have more of an intention this year to kind of be able to you know Enjoy these events. And I'm not saying that it's not joyful to organize something and have a lot of people come. You know, my my hot chocolate ride I just had, we had, you know, like over 60 people come, but that also adds a stress where you're like, oh my God, I have all these people to keep track of. And yes, it was an amazing day and beautiful weather. And I do it again in a heartbeat. But there's also that little piece of you, it's like, oh man, I wish I could have just been, you know.
2: <laughs> yes. Um... This year, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to like just showing up and popping up. Mm-hmm. Um, because the other thing about it is like, if you're really, really busy organizing, are you building? Mm-hmm. Are you listening? You know, and so I think it's important. I like to do a lot of listening um, as a community organizer, right? Is to take time and to take feedback. Um, and so if you're if you're organizing and the community is saying, Yeah, we want to actually do this, Are you listening to your community or are you just organizing now for yourself? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's important, I think, as well, too. Um, And I think that's the hardest part. Um, Sometimes that can happen in any role um, is that if you get good at something, you're like, okay, I'm comfortable. I'm in this groove and the community can change and you may not. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, what happens then? And so growth is, you know, difficult. Um, but it's necessary from all of us, you know? So um, yeah, I'm taking time to do more like uh, showing up and listening. Um, I think that's important. I am organizing, you know, I have a whole campaign that i'm working yeah. on um, we teach cannabis you know we teach how to grow cannabis you know so we have events we're gifting out you know plants and seedlings and seeds and i'm talking about the ones that you could smoke folks <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, Wait, i did
1: out. let's dive into that in a second my only the, i just want to mention one thing and then we'll talk about that is i uh I think what both of us are trying to say is that we need more organizers. And so if you have an idea or you have some, I mean, that's literally how I got involved with common wheels. My nonprofit is I was like, you know, I want more bike friends. Um, And I emailed them and I was like, Hey, can I lead a ride? And they were like, Oh my God. Yes, of course you can. Please come do things for us. So, you know, there's, there's space, reach out, see how you can, you know, many hands make, work light as they say. So uh, see how you can get involved too. And then that gives space for people who are just in that wheel of churning out, you know, admittedly that's part of what was happening with Boston Bike Party was we had a couple of people and just every month we were just trying to make sure the ride happened. And it's hard to listen when you're in that, that mode of just trying to get this thing out because people want it. Um, And so the more organizers you have, the more ability you have to do that. So that's our, our call out. Our call yeah.
2: to action. <laughs> and it's one of the things that I love about the bicycling community, and I think it's really, really important to pay attention to that. Is a, co- a community of organizers that's always um, like arms out, embraced. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the bicycling community to be very um, warm. Um, I was very fortunate um, the way I, the people that I've navigated, that navigated me into bicycling, you know, um, Bowden and Broadway, like special, mm-hmm. you know, ride for Like I've been I've had aii sp- I, realize I've had a special experience um, being black woman queer. Like um, it's a special experience because a lot of people there's I mean, at one point I, when I was working at Broadway, I was like, is there is there any other black woman? like, working at, at a bike shop in the entire state of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Like, this is getting kind of crazy. I'm looking around, you know, at bike shops trying to meet, and I would meet um, women mechanics. Um, and I've met, you know, my queer folks, mechanics, but I don't see any Black women that are working as bike mechanics. Um, and that started to be alarming to me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, because at Broadway, we actually have, like, a whole board um, like a vision board of bicyclists uh, that are inspirational. Oh story. yeah.
1: I have a picture of that somewhere. I'll post it on my Instagram stories.
2: And we have, um, we have Kitty Knox up there, you know, um, local historic. Uh, we did a,
1: a segment on Kitty Knox for the news. So people would have just
2: heard that before coming in. Okay. Awesome. Yes. awesome. Um, and yeah, so like once I started realizing, you know, and, in Broadway, if you go in, we have pictures up on the wall cause we are a co-op people come and go. So there's a lot of faces, um, and just seeing, you know, the lack of color, you know, mm-hmm. um, and realizing, and then realizing how even more advanced Broadway was because it's even more rare at other, at other bike shops. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a very cis bro culture, like mad, cis, strong cis bro, like culture, you know? So, um, for me, I was just like, wow, this, this, the, there's a lot more progress that needs to be done in this industry. Um, I won't,
1: I won't name names, but you know, just what a month ago, maybe a couple people just like the staff just quit at a bike shop in Boston. Cause they just couldn't do it anymore. Like, it's, it's not, it's not great.
2: See people shouldn't feel the need to do that. Co-op oh. fire the boss own your labor fire the boss be the boss go broadway gotta fight for for to own your labor you work Mm -hmm. at broadway after one season you can um become a, a worker owner you can become an owner at the shop that's awesome yeah like come on and they got you working there for years and they can't even offer you ownership Mm-hmm. come on bye sayonara nobody has time for these games folks it's 2022 we getting it out here okay we getting it so please, please. yes like we gotta, <laughs> we gotta get this money like they could can, they, they cannot be you know these businesses cannot be treating us the way that they're treating us and yeah. expect the best out of us for the community that's walking in through the door Um, and people are you know it's not working it's an Mm -hmm. unhealthy work environment so yeah there's a lot more um, you know education that needs to happen Um, community spaces being Mm -hmm. developed Um, I feel like that's that's where the real learning happens you can put people through training um, that's important too but it's really really important to develop community spaces Mm -hmm. uh, in community spaces where um, you know, the community that it's supposed to be for actually have a voice mm-hmm. in how that space is developed. Um, yeah. Not you putting something together and saying, oh, this is for them. Yeah. You not know, a lot of yeah. um, <laughs> beyond some shit. We don't mm-hmm. do this. And it's like, we asked you for this shit? Like, we didn't even ask for this, mm-hmm. you know? So um, there's got to be input, you know, and that's collaborating. That's now you're doing community organizing. Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs>
1: Uh, excellent. Yes, I, a hundred percent. Um, that leads me into, cause I do want to talk about MRCC and let you, uh, you know, make sure people know the work that you're doing there. My lead into that would be the fact that for one of our, uh, rides for the ride for black lives, we took the group through downtown Boston and then stopped outside the prison on what's the name of that street. I always forget
2: um I can't this I don't remember the name of the street it's
1: it's by the Museum of Science um I will look up the name of the street for everybody because it's I'm blanking on at the moment and I'm sure people are shouting out into the ether right now to tell us uh but we stopped and we had everybody you know look up acknowledge that the prison was there because our speakers that month were you know talking about the incarcerated, the formerly incarcerated, how we can't leave them behind as a society, how we should be, uh, you know, creating pathways and building them up so that they can reenter society instead of trying to shun them off to the side. And I remember afterwards, one of my friends just coming up to me after that ride and just being like, "Oh, oh my God, that was so powerful. Like that moment where we stopped and we waved and they were waving back. You could hear people banging on the bars and acknowledging that we were acknowledging them it was a really powerful moment for her. So uh, I'm now gonna give you the floor because I know you have a lot to say on this, but tell us more about what you do with MRCC and, and talking about um, you know, the war against drugs and, and combating against
2: that. Um, so yeah, the war at uh, MRCC, right. So- or the war on drugs. Sorry, yeah, so, um, drugs. not against um, drugs. <laughs> we helped, so one of my co-founders like, was on the foreground, helped to legalize cannabis in Massachusetts. Um, since then, we've gone on and successfully advocated for like a social equity program for our state. Um, there's a state bill right now for a social equity fund, and I um, helped to lobby for grants and loan forgiveness to be language within that bill um, to be included. Um, and we've also successfully lobbied recently just um, last late last year a couple of months ago we lobbied for the first reparations fund and racial equity fund um reparations from from slavery um and racial equity fund from the war on drugs um so we're having community conversations now we have a campaign a uh, bit dot mrcc community for racial justice i'll put it uh, in the show notes too <laughs> thank you and it's um it's a people-powered campaign so a lot of people are saying yeah i believe black lives matter and we're like and where's our money mm-hmm. but where's our money because here we are over here having money pulled out of our community to subsidize other communities. We don't legalize cannabis. And you telling me you ain't got none of that, that tax revenue coming into my community? That's, that's not working. That's not working for me. That's not working for us. That's not working for my community. Like, we need healing services for our community, you know. And to be, it's, it's not right that we're in the 51st year of the war on drugs, the war on drugs is still alive. It's still continuing, it's still going on. Um, And we're being, now that we've legalized cannabis, like jobs for $15 an hour are going on. There's a lot of employee abuse. We have employees coming up to us all the time about the toxic work environment for them. Um, So this is really, really like difficult, you know, advocating and then seeing all the issues that's erupting and the legalization of it. Um, and also the discrimination against people with records, like the legal cannabis industry discriminates against people with records. And it's just like, what, what, what are we doing here? You know, like what's really going on? And so it's just like, if this is going to be um, a shakedown where they're legalizing it and it's, it, it's looking like Silicon Valley, it's looking like, you know, te- it's looking like the bicycling industry, mad you know, cis bro is, is going on in the, can- in the legal cannabis industry. If that's how it's going to be, run us our taxes, like run us our money, you know, <laughs> run us our money. Like, hello. Like, nice. a- <laughs> you know? um, and, and, and that's because there's um, harm that has been done. And so again, we can go into detail on that. And that's why like we meet, we have a study group. Um, we also have an action night um, so that people can walk in solidarity. Um, you have a space to learn, and then you also have a space to commit to action, um, to create systemic change. And the people powered, it's people powered. So people are coming in during this hour, they're learning what a campaign is, what it entails, what we're an advocacy for, Um, Last week, we set some goals that we want to see achieved out of this campaign, Um, transparency with fundraising, how much is raised, um, how we want the funds to be spent. Um, All of these things are important, and it's important the community has all that transparency and all that communication and ownership in it as well, too. So, So... Loving it so far and really excited to see how many municipalities um, we can get started this year to have the conversation on reparations and um, racial equity funds. Um, since we passed in Cambridge, the city of Boston is now having a conversation on reparations um, and we're seeing, I believe there's like another town that's having and um, uh, I think it's like in central um, Massachusetts that's having a conversation out on reparations. So we're really happy to see multiple, like more and more towns um, starting to do the research um, and to acknowledge Reparations and we're also pushing for racial equity funds from the war on drugs, because um, it is undisputed that it is black people who have been jailed um, at highest in prison. Um, How how culpable our government was in the flooding of drugs into our communities, how it's flooded our communities in the 80s and 90s and the devastation, you know, the devastation and its impact on our community and you can walk through these communities today and it is nothing in comparison to what it was like before, you know, cocaine and crack hit those communities. Um, Our communities, I don't believe, have been able to recover since, um, and the full impact upon that um, and its weight. And so there's a genuine genuine conversation that needs to be had on, uh, you know, uh, repairing the harm that has been inflicted. And that's simply, you know, like, it's like how far are you, what more do you, you won. You won. You wanted to destroy a community and you did. You uh, you decimated it beyond repair. And so, you know, there needs to just be like, give us space, just give us space to heal at this point. And if it has to be um, forced as a demand, then this is the conversation that we have to have now, because we've been like pointing out for years and we're being ignored, you know, so now we have to find on the tax line, where our money's at, and we have to point out, we have to be very, very detailed um, because we keep being spun off, you know, for decades, like you know, tar- turned away as a black community. Um, so I think it's like overdue now, you know, like now for these conversations to be happening and for that money to be allocated into our community um, and allow healing to occur, and for the this co- for us as a community to start having the conversations on what is it going to take for us to heal and mm-hmm. to you know start that that thing so I'm excited about that it's very um heavy I realize in subject matter you know so we're um definitely thinking about how we want our campaign to feel and we're having a lot of conversations when we we meet we meet on Tuesdays at six o'clock um so if you can come please come um but we meet on Tuesdays online that's like a virtual meeting yeah um action hour so if you can make it one week cool if you can't come in, you know, another week, if you can commit once a month, that's great. Um, There's emails that go out and you can receive updates and action work isn't limited within action hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get homework. There's there's other work to do outside of there. This is is a
1: yes and situation.
2: Yes. This is about solidarity for racial justice. Like there's work that has to be done. Um, So, you know, especially calling in Uh, my white people who consider them allies, um, we're not looking for allies, we're not looking for saviors, we're looking for accomplices. Mm -hmm. You know, we are one as a human race, and there's been injustices, and we have to have honest conversations. Um, And a lot of that's going to take place over a a shared meal. Um, You know, that difficult conversations can go a little bit Mm -hmm. better with a shared meal, um, and just a communal space to have conversations. I think that's like One of the things that's going to end up coming out of this campaign is just, like, community spaces with food so we can start talking um, with one another. Um, But we had, like, a lot of ideas um, for the campaign, so I'm super excited about it. We may even have a bike ride. Who knows? I keep saying, like, I don't want to organize any more bike rides. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but then biking is fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, biking is fun. And I would, like, absolutely love to have my bicycling community included. And if, you know, the bicycling community is like, hey, we stand in solidarity for racial justice. Well, what what can we do? You know, then it's just like, I don't know. What can we do? What do we want to do? And <laughs> <I get> <laughs> I I whatever people want, we're here, you know, in solidarity. Like this is an issue that we're raising up. And the more we can champion up and get get visibility and get people committed to doing, then the change is gonna happen. So I'm really excited. Um, right. I will well, talk on and on about this stuff.
1: <laughs> One like, more time though, can you just say the action items that you want from people and we'll put it in the notes and everything? What was the, uh, the link and everything?
2: Yeah. So I would like for you, one, to join us on Action Nights. Um, our study groups for the month of March will be on the 8th and the 22nd, Tuesdays. Um, it's all the same link. So it's bit.ly slash MRCC, Community for Racial Justice. All one word, okay. MRCC, Community for Racial Justice. Um, And so, yeah, um, just that, just type there and you'll be able to register um, and you'll get a calendar invite. The second thing you can do is you could become a Patreon member. Um, We have a solidarity fund, um, $5 up to $50. Um, Every dollar goes towards um, racial healing or transformative justice. Those are three, is- three issues. Right now we have a racial justice campaign. So our funding is going towards that. Um, and again, we have our weekly meetings and we're, we have transparency. So you know exactly where your money's going and you have a chance to have a voice on how that money spent during the campaign. I don't know a lot of political organizations that do what we do folks. So you need to get with the program and you know <laughs> get, get active for change, systemic change. Um, And the last action I would say to be is if you have any sort of social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, just type in M.A. Consumers and give us a follow. Um, So that way you can stay up on the next steps Um, and just want to do a shameless plug. You know, again, we grow we grow cannabis. Um, our twenty-five and fifty-dollar members, we—you um, have access. My team members are organic grow, senior organic grow instructor. Um, you'll have access to him. He's like been recording videos um, for folks to actually learn this really, this really, you know, difficult process. I went to a, a cultivation um, conference, and each ticket, one ticket was like three hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah. And my team member ha- is like on that level a little bit more. Um, so it's like that's t- that's how, and I'm like, I don't think people realize the amount of knowledge that we're out here, like just putting out here to the community. Um, and so yeah, it's important, you know, we could. You know be that way but we want to share information and at the same time be thinking about ourselves as community members what skills do we have that we can say hey if we lend this towards mrcc will it assist with this assist with the mission will it help raise funds and assist with the mission see very community-minded we are Um, so mrcc as a team we're like community members and we're saying you know and then my team member can grow really fire weed organically um, so he has a skill and he's lent it um, towards the team and that way we can use it towards the mission so if you want to learn how to grow hop on over to patreon.com slash maconsumers um, and grow some weed with us and follow us on social because um, we're dropping updates we have some baby plants um, that we're growing and you can follow along and see um the strain and how the grow is going so far yes that's amazing my upstairs neighbors grow <laughs> and you
1: can see the lights from the the sidewalk as you like walk up because there's like a purple lamp light mm-hmm. I always respected that um <laughs> uh, you know I I like having lots of plants I don't have any cannabis plants but I I, I like nature around me and I, I appreciate that one uh, no
2: <laughs> but thank you <laughs> Gifting is legal, folks. If you don't know, that's fine. (laughs) Okay, yeah, like gifting is legal in Massachusetts. So relax, people. And if you want to know your rights, I can do that too. So yeah, that's that's part of my work I do as well too. So it's very important for you to know your rights. But yeah, gifting Uh, is legal.
1: No, I was just gonna say it's a, it's one of those things where I, you know, fully support, I just it's not for me.
2: So mm-hmm. save that plant
1: for someone who's going to use it. Is really what yeah. it
2: comes out too. Yeah, and that's important. Um, important to know for oneself. Um, it's also good to have angel growers mm-hmm. um, because it's disabled people that need homegrown and can't afford it. Um, oh. so the other thing is, like you could always learn to grow for somebody else hmm. um, and be an angel grower. For someone.
1: Oh, that's very sweet. I like that. Um, shifting gears for a second uh, as we you know, um, we've been chatting for a little while. I want to make sure that I get your whole self. Um, that's something I like to say of like, you're not just a bike person. You're not just the cannabis person. You are a whole human who has other interests. So tell me more about what you like to do outside of those two activities. I know you have a a family. What's a, tell me more about Saskia. (laughs) I know it's so embarrassing. Tell me your deepest, darkest secrets.
2: <laughs> um, so I'm a parent. Um, I have an amazing teen. Um, I love parenthood. Um, I've learned I've learned so much um, being a parent. That's a big, big part of my life. Um, and also I love art. So I've been um, I love working with my hands. So you'll see like soil, you know, growing. Fixing bikes, you know, working with my hands, um, making art. I was working with textiles. Um, when I worked at Noah's shop, I actually he had like some helmets. I took and customized them with African textiles. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I was yeah, I was getting ready to start pushing out like uh bike helmets out to the public. I was just like, this is dope. Um Clemson bike, I remember one year for like a parking lot, had helmets, um, burn helmets that you could design. So I had like, he, he had markers on the table. I designed a helmet and then I, he, he was like, take it. I was like, great, I got I got a, I got a burn helmet for free and I was able to design it. Great, this is so much fun. Uh, one of my favorite things from parking lot days uh, was Crimson Bikes that year. Um, and yeah, so like craft making, art making, working with textiles, um, fabric uh, manipulation, I enjoy a whole lot. Um, I also study Black Quantum Futurism (BQF), um, which is about um, uh, time theory, uh, quantum physics, and time theory. Um, and so that's very um, intense and important to me. Um, and I hope you know to um, leave um um lobbying. I enjoy the the results of the work we're able to change we're able to do in our community, but I do ultimately see myself working, um, you know, doing things that I love, such as art making, um uh, working with textiles more, um having space to work with my hands more. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's more how I see shifting, uh, myself shifting in the future. Um, so yeah, and having more time to spend with my family and loved ones. Um, that's very important to me. I love being with the community, um, but I—it's very important for me to take time for self care, um, and I feel like we need a part two because that's a whole other conversation. Is just self care, like that's a whole.
1: That's that's sh- a much. How much time bit. do we have now? Let me just a yeah. little. Oh no. no. All right. <laughs> we don't have time to talk about today, but we can definitely
2: bring you back for a self-care one. I think that would be a good, good idea. Yeah, I want to hear about your self-care too. Like that's a whole thing. Like, well,
1: we'll do a part two. I like that idea. I'll bring you back. We'll talk yeah. about self-care we'll just do a whole segment on it. Cause that that's honestly something super needed for this. Um, my short version for right yes. now. We would even get into like stretching before going on a bike. Yeah, I'm really bad about that. My self-care at this point is my puppy dog who's asleep here. I'll wake him up when we wrap up. Otherwise he'll be really annoying, <laughs> but he's being
2: good and sleeping right now.
1: Wow. Um, and when I, you know, you're talking about like being with your family, sometimes if I can't bring my dog, like, do I really want to go to this thing? Cause I just want to spend time with him. And you know, so it just ends up being really, I understand that I'd rather just stay home and cuddle with him. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of work. I don't know if it's COVID that hit me, but Mm. um, you know, sometimes getting out is just, it's a process. (laughs) It's it's a lot. Sometimes I'm like,
1: Oh, I haven't worn this shirt in two years. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen that person in two years. Do I still need to see them? Like, is it that is that still important?
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. all of all of those emotions (laughs) emotions.
1: I'm definitely not talking about you person that thinks I'm talking about you it's not that's not what's (laughs) happening right now (laughs) uh well this has been amazing Sasuke I always really like talking to you and I want to make sure I say this because it, it came up in a meeting recently and you said it today even um this idea of calling in versus calling out which is like my new favorite phrase uh that we gotta that. make sure that we're doing in the community of just you know let's collaborate instead of you know trying to put people on blast because yeah make sure you got you know everything that's happening uh, so I just really appreciate that as well uh, yeah, and you yeah. did you mentioned that when
2: you're talking about calling in your your white allies as well your accomplices <laughs> yes um accountability Mm-hmm. accountability right it doesn't have to be accountability doesn't have to be based in shaming accountability doesn't have to be based in guilt tripping um that's not accountability actually mm-hmm. uh, that's psychological warfare my fellas that is you know emotional ma- damage <laughs> that's what that <laughs> is You know, I want accountability. This is something different. Let's stay Mm -hmm. over here and let's leave that to the dysfunctional mofos over there, you know, Um, and they can figure it out whenever they figure it out. I don't have time for that. I'm not getting paid for that. Let's just stay here, folks. Okay. It's already enough. It's already hard enough, you know, but yeah, I think that's a a great thing because people feel really attacked now um, Mm -hmm. and having conversations and it's just like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let's, take a step back let's process what we're saying where did we misunderstanding one another Do you literally hear what I'm saying right now? Can you repeat what I'm, I'm saying? Um, what did how and if my words are not exactly repeated how how did this translate into that? Hmm. you know so I think that's important to happen. I think um, accountability is also like as far as if you say you value a, um, the um, a person's life, how are you showing up and valuing that? How does that actually translate um, mm-hmm. the actions and decisions that you make every day? Because um, we all have a list of priorities. So if you're going to be comfortable uh, witnessing the death and destruction of certain communities literally in your backyard, um, that says a lot about you and your values as a person. So don't expect smiles. Um, as you're walking in the neighborhood don't expect smiles when you walk into the office you know because you know what you're doing and so that that conversation is I think very real and necessary and tricky and 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 the space should be created you know Um, but accountability can also be like just you know
1: do you, do you ride on your bike trainer you said you wanted to ride on your bike trainer today yeah, you didn't yeah. well that's okay if you weren't feeling it but I just want to check Don't in with you
2: clothes on the floor, put them in the laundry <laughs> you know like it's yeah. it's varying levels of accountability mm-hmm. I think and I would just like for us as a community to get healthier in mm-hmm. those calling ins that we're doing with uh, one another um healthier but still effective right mm-hmm. because I'm not sure the way that we're doing it right now is effective because I'm not seeing the change happen that needs to happen to assist Black and brown lives, you know. So um, I think that's something that's important and something it's important to me too, like being a community organizer, we have to be held accountable to the community mm-hmm. that we're organizing on behalf of. So um, but I'm glad that you like those words. I really, really do. They're important to me.
1: I, I hadn't heard it phrased quite like that because it's got this nice succinct pattern to it that I will definitely be using in the future
2: (laughs) yeah and I don't know if it's just also me um, like as being a black queer woman um you are looked at with the stereotype of an angry black woman Mm -hmm. like there's this stereotype that before I even open my mouth that people will have Mm -hmm. and so it's just like no 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 um my tone and my spirit is being, um, its it's been whitewashed. There's already something there that I'm dealing with that really doesn't have anything to do with me. Let me address it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of, I think that's where that came from. It's just like, no, no, no. I see what the fuck is going on. And this doesn't have anything to do with me, but I'm gonna address it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's just deal with that monkey head on, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, just to let people know, like, I'm here and I see you. And I'm trying to have a genuine moment with you, mm-hmm. um, and let's let's have that. Let's do that. You know, as messy and glorious as it can be, let's have this space and and figure it out. Um, and I think that's that's what's important. I think for friendships and re- relationships and community building. Um, yeah, if you're not doing that, I don't I don't I don't want to be around you. Like, if you don't have accountability in your life, honestly, we've got a billion of them running around. <laughs> like. We don't need that. Look look at our society. We're we're all set. We are all set with this.
1: Uh, On that note, I think we're going to wrap up because that's the perfect piece of wisdom to, to take us out for today. Saskia, thank you so much for being on the
2: podcast with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It is very fun to talk with you.
1: Yeah, and I'm excited to continue working with you in the future as we build out the Coalition for Black Lives.
2: Absolutely. And I just want to let people know that I was high, but Laura wasn't. So that joy is, look at, genuine laughing and giggling. (laughs) amazing do you see, see this I, is this bicycle? is just where i am <laughs> exactly that's what i'm talking about i look for it i love it thank you so much your energy is so amazing thank you All
1: right. and we're back it's time for the game for today's game uh the theme this you know episode or at least for this game uh is again we're talking about black cyclists and 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 you know the industry of cycling on a whole um so I have a couple of fun facts here. I'm gonna pose these as hmm, i think open ended because you know a lot of the answers already uh and I think you can get them and if you would like a multiple choice, just let me know and I will offer those to you. How does that sound um okay uh um, and as a reminder. Uh, what you're pulling I'm up your, no, you're pulling up your notes <laughs> as a reminder to everybody. Uh, th- this is, uh, Lee Andrew back for the game. I didn't, I didn't specify that. So thank you for coming back, staying on the zoom for a little bit longer with me. Uh, let's dive right in. You ready?
0: Let's do it.
1: All right. So for this first one, uh, this one's a little tricky because it includes all pro black athletes across the board so percentage that the question is what is the percentage of pro black athletes now keep in mind as we know the nfl's kind of you know way up here but cycling is like way down here so just averaging that out for a moment see if you can yeah
0: if, if i remember correctly uh the 2020 tour de france was very low cool no i think it was 22 cyclists 22 22 uh what well
1: you're getting ahead of yourself that's the next question i'll come back to that this is all all, all across the board every uh registered sport in the u.s that has like a pro team
0: okay i i would like to select a multiple choice please
1: okay your multiple choice are 30%, 12%, 30%, 12%, or 7%. 30%. No, it is 6.8 aka
0: oh, 7%. Were we looking at just cycling alone or
1: no, no, no. All. Sorry. That's this is this is the trick of the question. It was all okay. percentage of all across the board. So it would have to be this, you know, in between of the NFL, which has about I think it was 70%, if not higher and pro cycling, which is less than 1%. Um, so if you even it out across all sports comes out to about 7%, which is still very low considering the population, uh, is much higher. Um, what you drinking, by the way,
0: I'm drinking, uh, some guava juice. So, uh, I'm getting ready to, uh, make some dinner. I'm making a Spanish stew.
1: Ooh, that so sounds nice.
0: Beautiful uh, Brazilian market down the street from me. So mm-hmm. I get some pecaja, some potatoes, um, onions, garlic, some olives, a little red wine and just let it stew and just top it off with a little Ooh. bit of cilantro. We got we to gotta do dinner sometime. We're, we we're really way, do. We're way too close. And like things are getting back to normal.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: yeah, we'll, we'll definitely like plan that. a dinner and ride.
1: Okay, perfect. All right. So I was just distracting you though. Because um, now we're going to go into the next question. So you ready? All right, what'd you we're got? resetting. This time we are just talking about the Tour de France. Okay. All right, so in 2020, and I might have said this early in the podcast, we'll see who was paying attention. In 2020, how many of the riders on the Tour de France were black. They were all men, but you know.
0: I believe I want five.
1: Five is correct. Yes. Out of 743, which as a reminder, is less than 1%. (laughs) Very, very, very low. How many of them finished? Because not everybody finishes the tour. It's three weeks.
0: I'm going to make a guess and say two.
1: Hmm. It was the only one. His name is Kevin Reza. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly um, because there was an accent, uh, so I apologize. To Reza, but uh, there was a whole article about him. What I found frustrating about that article though is he's still the only one who gets named, and the whole point of the article was how they were calling out the tour for not talking more or highlighting their black athletes. Um, so uh, Kevin was the Kevin Reza finished um, in 2020.
0: You know, it's actually funny, me and Kevin share a beautiful thing, we have the same birthday. Oh. And he is born 1988. I am 87. So oh, so close! you're with Kevin. Oh, <laughs>
1: I was also born in 87. So that's very cute of us. Hey. <laughs> you can't see it. We did a little, little face. Anyway, um, so the next question is: How many black people are on the board of the USA Cycling Association?
0: I would like to go to multiple choice.
1: Um, your multiple choice are all of them or zero. <laughs> <laughs> zero. <laughs> I just wanted to make it really easy for you.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, that's
1: unfortunate. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Um, this next one uh, is, you know, moving away a little bit. So as everybody knows, common knowledge at this point, bike shops had uh, an explosion in sales. Bikes were out of stock. Parts were out of stock. Cycling on a whole went up. People riding bike I shouldn't even say cycling because that has the wrong connotation, but biking on a whole was up in the last two years due to the pandemic. However, do you think that the licenses, the racing licenses that you can purchase to race through us cycling, do you think those purchases went up or down in the pandemic? Down. Down, especially because you have to purchase a license (laughs) to do it. Like what? When I read that, I, I just, that one was unbelievable to me. So, you know, we talk about barriers in the industry, that's one right there that you have to pay to play in the first place. But anyway, that's a whole, we could go on a whole nother rant about oh. that. We are still playing a game and this is supposed to be fun. We're going to have fun. So.
0: <laughs> a whole nother episode.
1: <laughs> um, You should be able to get this one. I have, I believe in you listeners think back to the beginning of the episode. What year did major Taylor win his world cycling title? That was
0: 1899.
1: Uh and our other fun fact that went with that was that he was the second black athlete to get a world title in any sport. For our final question, because I want to remind everyone that uh the world cycling title was for um uh, black men, not black women. So the question on the table is what year was the first pro, <laughs> the first black woman to enter pro cycling. What year did that happen? Again, this is of course, we're talking about Aisha McGowan, which is your first hint. Um, and I can give you multiple choice if you would like it.
0: I believe that was
1: 2020. Ooh, it was actually 2021. Oh, it was also a huge hint to say Aisha McGowan. Cause I mean, we, We knew that that was the answer, but, you know, there could have been the, like, something from the 1980s or something. No, it just literally happened last year. Barely, not even a year ago. Not even a
0: year ago. I feel like COVID has literally condensed time into just, like, small blinks, little winks, if you will.
1: I literally have no idea how old any of my friends are anymore because I forget that it's been two years and I'm like yeah. oh well the last time I saw them they were you know 30 oh they're 35 now oh okay all right sure like I just can't <laughs> I can't
0: <laughs> it's okay it's it's just a it's just a COVID
1: coma that's mm-hmm. all it is mm-hmm. um but Leandro, you have won the game yes! Yeah. yes yeah! Snaps all around, Um, and that's the exciting game of half an hour of research, everyone. (laughs) Uh, But thank you again. Thank you, and thank you again for coming on. I do very much appreciate it. Hopefully, this will not be the last of your voice, and that sounded ominous. I just mean I want him to come back, everybody. (laughs) You want to die? What?
0: Go to do some hail marys after it
2: goes.
0: <laughs> Well, Lord willing, I will be back. Yes? Question mark? 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 Um. Oh. But yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, we we have some rides and we have some food in our future.
1: We do. Um, we do.
0: But yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. That's a wrap on episode nine, folks. Thank you again to Leandrew and Saskia for coming and speaking with me today. If you enjoy listening to the sound of our voices, I hope you will also enjoy seeing our faces. So uh, I have started putting the podcast up on YouTube. Not all the segments. You'll only find friends on bikes eating dessert and the deeper look. I'm also working on the back catalog of those episodes, but I won't have the full videos because I was not taking them at the time. And now, as always, the amazing music and theme is by the extremely talented Kate Hardley. Don't forget her album, West. Still available, still amazing. You should definitely check it out at katehardly.bandcamp.com. The podcast is hosted, produced, recorded, and edited by me, Laura Jillian, with an honorable mention to Watson the Bike Dog for his contributions throughout the show. Although this week it was a lot of sleeping. For more information about the show and biking, you can visit my website, randonista.com, follow my adventures in biking and more behind the scenes of the podcast, at randonista on Instagram and randonista on YouTube, and of course, Watson's Biking Adventures at Watson the Bike Dog on Instagram. If you like the show, please rate and review it on your podcast app of choice, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, your Watson moment. This is where we cut. We don't have to get off just yet, because I will let you say hi. Because I know you like dogs, right? Yes. Yeah, the sleepy little boy down here.
2: Oh, look at him! Look, like, knocked out. Like, why? Why did you do this to me right now? His little <laughs> eyes are trying to close again. Hey, buddy. Like, I can't. Like, yeah. Hi.
1: Oh, he really God. doesn't understand why I do this. To, he's he doesn't really get the screen. And so he's Mm -hmm. like, I don't really understand why you hold me up like this. I just want to go back to sleep. Absolutely. (laughs) So sweet, so sweet.